Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay. Hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This. Thank you for coming. For those of you who are new, we do a video every single week um, for kind of following along the Come Follow Me curriculum. If you would like to subscribe to our newsletter, you just go to um, Emily Bell Freeman, Bell with, Bell with an E, um, uh, slash Don't Miss This. Or just go, I don't know, just go to our profiles. It's easier to yeah. find the link on yeah. Instagram or something From like Instagram. that. Instagram, yep. Um, Sign up. A newsletter comes every Monday. Tells has this study guide sheet on it. Uh, has some teaching tips. And uh, we just do this video. The videos come out. A lot of new people are asking. They come out about two weeks before you will study it in church. So for those of you who study with your family or group, um, the week before you talk about it in church, it will be there in plenty of time. In plenty of time. We want you to have plenty of time to study it and get familiar with the material before you are going to have to teach. So yeah. we're, we so, are way ahead of schedule. You just watch the videos whenever you want. Okay. So this week we are doing the Matthew 19 and 20, Mark 10, and Luke 18 chapters, which all have pretty much the same stories across three of them, um, really similar to each other. So the one we're going to start off with is... In Matthew 19, verse 16, the story of the rich young ruler. That was awesome. Yeah. We just went. <laughs> Every other month. We keep doing that. Um, okay, and this is a good story. It really is. Um, and since I just called it a good story, let me just point out to you at the very beginning, what you want to be looking for is how many times the word good is actually used. All day long. That becomes, In yeah. All, all the, stories the stories we do. Um, that is going to be something that is um, just follows throughout. So you start... In verse 16, it tells, this boy came and said, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And you love that the first question the Savior asked back to him is, Why callest thou me good? He wants to know. And he says, There is none good but one, and that is God. And right there is a really powerful lesson. It's worth just stopping right at the get-go to think through because all of those goods are probably in there for a reason. And what Jesus is teaching him is um, that God is who we would call good. And so as you come to ask me about eternal life, are you asking because you know who I am? Right. Um, and what I could teach you. And it's almost as if he's trying to figure out the intention of his heart. In right. And it's funny because for a long time I read this verse and I thought he was telling him like, I'm not good, but God is good. Like the Father. But that's interesting because they share characteristics. Like mm -hmm. they, he is God. Yes. Right. And so it's like. And he would know about eternal life, and he could actually tell that boy what he needed to do. Yeah. To obtain so, eternal life, but it's almost as if he's asking. Do you know I'm God? And do you trust what I'm about to tell you? Right. Right. Um, which is such an interesting way to enter into that conversation. And so, um, he tells him keep the commandments. And the boy says to him, which? And Jesus goes through and just lays out the commandments that everybody knows, right? Don't murder, um, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness. He goes all the way through um, the Ten Commandments, just exactly what he should be doing. And the boy says to him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. And then this important that is 
um, this important question that is the one question we all remember when we think of this story. What lack I yet? And it is an interesting question. And it's one we probably should all ask ourselves every so often is, where is my lack right now? Where is my inadequacy? Where could I be doing um, better? And, and maybe rather than asking all the world around us, all we need to do is kneel down at night and ask the one who is good, who knows us, who understands us, and who would say, maybe right here you could. And I think it's really important that you pointed out that you asked the one who's good because I'm nervous to ask that question. <laughs> you know, I legit yes. am like, like, you know, if I ask, and I feel like that's a prayer that gets answered. A lot of mine, God takes his sweet time on. <laughs> but if, if you want, but quick ones are like, am I doing anything that offends the, am I doing anything like, I feel like he's going to be fast, and I want to pray it like this. Like, Heavenly Father, do I have any lack? No? Okay. Amen. <laughs> and jump into my bed and put on Netflix and fall asleep to it because I don't want to hear it. But I think it's important you're saying you're asking somebody who has your best interest in mind. He is good. He will be kind with the way that he tells it. He is not there to reprimand you or to point out all your faults. But he but, is there to grow you. Right. 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 And, um, we were just talking his earlier about his intention is so good. It's divine tutoring that is taking place, and and sometimes that feels rough, but it makes us better. And um, so there's a little question right up here: What lack I yet? And right under there on the study sheet, have you asked the Lord that question? And what is another way you might ask it? Um, you know, maybe it's just simply: Where could I be doing better in my relationships, or um, in my ministering, or? Where's somewhere that he might say to you, here, let's just look at this for a little bit and see what or you maybe like do. this, like all of those questions really mean, um, how can I live happier? How can mm -hmm. I live in a way that makes you happier? I, you know, mm -hmm. I just feel like every suggestion he gives is, is, is for our benefit, yeah. you know, but I am still, that is going to take, that takes me a lot of warm up time to have the courage to ask it. Mostly because I'm super comfortable. Where, where we are. Right where I am. Yep. I just, ah, it really nervouses me. It uh, nervous. nervouses you? That <laughs> <laughs> is awesome. Um, so, I, and I think too, this parable or this story can be a little overwhelming sometimes yeah. when we read it because sometimes what we don't want is more to, more to have to do. And so it, maybe we are nervous to approach the Lord just simply because we're like, I feel like I'm doing everything I can do and I don't want to go to him and have him tell me, okay, let me add more stuff to your list. And sometimes we read this story and we think that's what's happening there. Well, that's because it's it's how he answers it. And if we're reading it, um, see, what I think about this rich young ruler, um, it, he's a ruler in the synagogue, right? So he, and he's grown up from my youth up. I have been a good boy my whole life, I've done all the right things. I've done everything I was supposed to. I'm an Eagle Scout. I was an AP. I'm all the things, you know? What else do I need to do to check off the mm -hmm. list to have eternal life? Yep. And then Jesus actually gives him something that I'm afraid of hearing. And I think on purpose, because look at 21. Mm -hmm. If you will be perfect, then go and sell all, everything you have and give it to the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And then we find out that the boy walks away because he was sorrowful and had great possessions. Um, 
And that's what we expect God is going to say when we ask, mm-hmm. what lack I yet? You know, I think that's what maybe makes me nervous. But I think he was actually trying to teach that boy something, that man something. And, and in order to teach him, he actually asks him to do something outrageous and ridiculous. Like God has never, ever asked me to do that before. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I would expect it. He's never said, okay, sell your house, sell your cars, sell your clothes, sell everything you have and give it all away to the poor. Like he asked him to do something way beyond what he was able to do. I think God was trying to show him, Jesus was trying to show him, you can't do it. Well, and what validates that is actually how he enters into it. Because it's so interesting when you start reading in um, verse 21. Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect. And are any of us capable of being perfect? Um, no. It's almost as if he laid out for him, um, it, this is going to be too big for you. And the important thing is what he says at the very, very end. Just come and follow me. Right. That's what's going to be the important part. Because none of us can be perfect. None of us are going to be really good at at giving up every single thing that right. is going to be too hard. But what he, what he really wants from us is just come and follow me. Right. And this, what happens right after is he walks away and then you get into verse 23 and he, and he says, um, two of the disciples who watched the whole scene happen and you're going to find out what they were thinking in just a second. And he says, uh, a rich man will hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And um, I, you've seen people like teach this before and do interpretations that were like, oh, the eye of the needle was actually a doorway, you know, and a camel's got to take off its baggage to like shimmy through or something like No, and the translation is like a real life, like sewing needle. Like he says, it would be easier for a camel to get through an eye of a needle. Like that's impossible. It's 100% impossible for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Like you can't even get a mouse Mm -hmm. through the eye of a needle. And he uses the biggest, humpiest animal in all the world. (laughs) Like you can't even get, I couldn't even get a camel's eyelash through. He is trying to show it is so impossible for, and and I, I don't think it has anything to do with money that it's a rich man because it's impossible for anybody. Mm-hmm. to make it into the kingdom of heaven With, on, their on their own. own. And that's why Peter says this. Peter says, kind of whispering, I bet. Um, in verse 25. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, 25. And the disciples heard that, and they were exceedingly amazed. They were just kind of like, you know. And this is people who have left behind fishing and stuff like that, and maybe they thought like, oh, we kind of earned heaven by mm-hmm. doing this. And he says, who's going to be saved? You know? He's like, that dude... Is not going to be saved, and nobody going to get okay. saved. No one's yeah. going to get saved. Nobody. Yeah. And then Jesus heard it, beheld them, knew exactly what they were troubled with, and said, "With men it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible." Meaning, why? Why specifically a rich man? Because rich people are really interested in earning. They have an earning mentality. And he comes into eternal life with the same mentality he went into his business with, which is, how do I earn this? How do I grow this? What's my checklist? How do I make it on my own? And somebody with an earning mentality, he says, that kind of person 
cannot make it into the kingdom of heaven because they think they're going to earn it. When he comes in and says, what lack I yet? The answer should have been me. Jesus should have said, what you're lacking is me. And as we Come talked about it, me. we thought about the right, the right question should have been, it's more about the good master than it was about the good thing that he should do. Right. And, and it just comes full circle yeah. at the end. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just is, it's a really, really important concept. And what's interesting is the story is kind of bookended, mm-hmm. bookended um, by two other stories. One that happens right before it is the children who come, you know, and the disciples are like, hey, get out of here. Like, he doesn't have time, you know. And he says, no, 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 no. I want them to come because this is an example of who is entering the kingdom mm-hmm. of heaven. Who gets it? Yeah, they get it. Why? Because all they know how to do is trust. And love. And they don't have things that are going to keep them away from him. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? And if you think like, oh, i got to earn my way in, Jesus is like, no, 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 no. These kids are already in. Yeah. And they have done nothing. Mm-hmm. It's because I am the one. By yourself, impossible. But with me, all things are possible. And then look at the other bookend. Actually, I like going over to the Mark account for this. Mm-hmm. So, same stories all together, but Mark's account, I like a little bit better. If you go to Mark chapter 10, and you go all the way down to the story starts in verse 46. I like the Mark account because he actually gives the blind man a name. Mm-hmm. And I just like that he calls him who he actually is, Bartimaeus. And he's crying out, and it's interesting that the rich young ruler comes and says, what do I need to do? And Bartimaeus comes in 47 and says, please have mercy on me. You know, and the difference. Yeah, it's so different. There's no checklist. There's right. just. I need. I, I need to be with you. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and Jesus um, says to him, brings him over to him in 51. It, he says, what should I do unto thee? So it's interesting that in the rich young ruler story, that boy is asking, what should I do? And in this story, it is Jesus asking, no, 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 no. This is how it should have been with the other guy too. What do you want me to do? For you. Because what's he going to do? All. Right. Right? He's going to do all. Um, and it's with him that that salvation process is going to happen. So what makes me unnervous <laughs> to go ask the Lord what lack I yet is if I go in knowing I've already been saved. Right? It is finished is what he said on the cross. You've already been saved. So the question you're asking is not how do I earn salvation It's, Lord, how do I become a better disciple? Mm -hmm. I want to follow you because you saved me as I was. So how can I become better with you? Right. If the question's, what do I need to do to earn heaven? It will make you nervous and you'll think I can't do it. If the question is, how do I live better Mm -hmm. as a saved person? How 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 do I love better? Then it's an easier question to ask. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. Let's go to the next one. How about... We're Par- going to go to, okay, the parable of the vineyard. So do you go. want to do the question that prompts it? Yeah. Um, well, we won't spend too much time on it. I just want to remind everybody, especially if you haven't been with us for a parable yet, um, you always want to ask and look and see what was the question or the situation um, that prompted a parable. And what prompts this one is um, Peter coming to the Lord and saying, we have given up everything. Mm-hmm. This is right after the rich and ruler. We gave up all, all things. Um, and wait, I just thought of this. Isn't this interesting that when Jesus says, sell everything that you have? 
and give it to the poor, that is actually a description of what Jesus does. He, and he's the only one capable of giving mm, all, all he, he has, has to those that are That's poor. So okay, that was a rewind. But mm-hmm. um, And Peter coming in and, and saying, like, okay, so what's that mean for us? And he says, anybody that um, forsakes land and family and, and chooses me, anybody who chooses me as their first is going to inherit eternal life. And then he says, and some will be first and some are going to be last. So, so, and it's good, let's just point this out because this is interesting. The question actually comes in chapter 19. Right. Um, it's 1927 is where you find that question. And that part that um, we just talked about is in chapter 19. Chapter 20 starts with the parable. Um, so it's good to know that sometimes these chapter headings interrupt the middle of a story. A thought, this right. is one. So the, an- the um, parable, the answer is going to come in chapter 20, but the question happened right before it in chapter yeah. 19 when you're looking for and just as you um some of you may know this already um but the chapter headings were added into scripture later they're not part of the original text mm-hmm. like and and they were they're great like some people added them in just to try and help with the reading of scripture but um you always kind of want to read before and after, after so you know to make sure like you're not missing something right. um so this starts out uh, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And um, I think this is a parable that sometimes we read and it gives us heart palpitations, right? We don't get it. We try and get it. We try and figure it out and we come up with all the answers of what it looks like because you remember he goes out and he finds those first ones and he agrees with them. They're going to get one penny for a full day's work. One penny. Do you want to come? Yes. Which the penny was a full day's work wage, by the way. Like that's... So it's not like a, it's not one cent. Yeah. It's a translation that means a full day's wage. And then he goes out again about three hours later and he decides he needs more laborers. So he goes out and gets more laborers and he agrees with them. If you will come and work till the end of the day, I will give you a penny, another, a penny for them. And he goes out the sixth hour and the ninth hour and he does the same thing. He goes out and I'll give you a penny if you come and work for the rest of the day and you a penny. How many hours are there in the day in this parable? 12. Okay. So the 11th hour he goes out and um, he finds others just standing idle. And he says, why are you just standing here all day long doing nothing? Um, And they said, because no one hired us. And he said, okay, come on, go into the vineyard and whatever is right, that is what you're going to receive at the end of the day. So when the evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his stewards, call the laborers and give them their hire beginning from the last and then go to the first. That's how I want you to pay them. And when they came that were hired about the 11th hour, guess how much they got? If you don't know the story, you might get a little worked up right now. The, um, the people who only worked for one hour, a penny for all of those people. And when the first came, because they had seen what the other people they got, they were like, oh, we're probably about to get more. more. Yeah. Um, but they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house saying, these last people only worked one hour and you made them equal to us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. And then he answered one of them and said, friend, I do thee no wrong because didn't you agree with me for a penny? And um, it's not, is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am Good. And again, we see that good mm-hmm. master who's just going to take care of 
all of the things, right? With him, we're going to be fine. It's okay if we, if we just got the penny because we're with him and we're going to be fine. And um, so the last shall be first and the first last for many be called, but few chosen. Um, he wants to tell us. Right. So there's a spot on here where you can kind of fill out, remember in parables, like, okay, who does each of these um, people and objects and, and everything represent? And I think one of the really important questions to like lay out is, okay, who's the owner of the vineyard? Who's the good man? Right. And that is God. But then to ask the question, these two questions, what is the vineyard and what is the work that's actually happening? Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then which of the laborers do you think you are? And for a long time, I thought I was, you know, the first hour laborer because I got baptized when I was eight years old. And I, I remember being in high school and seeing people who like came unto Jesus when they were 90, <laughs> you know, and like, I thought to myself, that's unfair. You know, like you, what, how come I, um, now this is pretty like revealing about my insides, you know, because I'm like, how come, how come that person gets to like, just live whatever life they want, you know, and then get all their sins washed away, you know, at age 90. And I'm the one who has to follow the strength of youth, you know, on my, you know, by, yeah, I go like, and do all, all, you know, all those things. Um, which is so interesting because that is back to that earning mentality. Mm-hmm. And if you go into this parable thinking the work being done in the vineyard is the work earning eternal life, then of course you're going to think it is unfair, mm-hmm. right? And, and of course you're going to like... But, but if the work becomes saving... It all of a sudden changes your entire perspective. Right. Others. Remember, mm-hmm. God's work is people. People. I, I'm not earning salvation. So what I actually think is interesting about this parable is I think anybody who reads it is an 11th hour worker. I don't actually think there are full day workers. I think God is gracious and good, overly gracious and overly good. I think he puts those mm-hmm. other ones in there for the people who think that they're a first and third and sixth hour person. But really, all of us are 11th hour workers, mm, so right? true. And if you're an 11th hour worker and you realize you are, what do you say about the good householder? Mm-hmm. Like what is your... Yes. If you think you're a first hour, you're going to grumble. But if you know you're actually an 11th hour, which one of us... I know, then you're so grateful. Right. You are so Who? grateful um, that that's... That that's who the good master is. Right. And, and I think say it your really line, does you love help. so much about this. Because oh, that's... I do love. This is not a parable about justice or fairness. It is a parable about goodness. And I really think we could have added right underneath there. It's not a parable about earning, but it's a parable about saving. And grace. And, and grace. I I, we really learned that lesson many years ago when we dropped our oldest son, Caleb, off at the MTC. He was our first boy to go on a mission. And those of you who have done that, you know what the mentality is in your car when you're driving home from whether it was the airport or the MTC drop-off. And we drove into the neighborhood and my husband looked up and saw smoke. And he said, I think the goalie is on fire. And we drove around, and all our whole family was in the car in our church clothes. And we drove around and sure enough, the goalie just right down the street from our house was on fire. And the fire was coming up the mountain and it was gonna get the home of this older couple in our ward and their and their garage 
And Greg just started yelling out instructions to our kids, go get hoses, go, some people were knocking on people's doors. I was supposed to call 911. He was trying to hand, manually turn on the sprinklers of the entire yard. And so I got on the phone with 911 and was trying to tell them there is a fire in the goalie. And they kept telling me, we know there's a fire in the goalie, we're, we're on the scene. And I kept telling him, no, no one is where I am and we're about to lose this house. And the lady kept telling me, no, we have firefighters on the scene. There are people on the scene. And so meanwhile, we are getting out every hose we can and now other neighbors are coming, right? So now the second laborers are coming and the third laborers and we are stretching hoses to all people's houses and to these people's houses and all these men are standing against the goalie with their hoses and we've got the sprinklers on and everyone's in the sprinklers and meanwhile, we're still in our suit, coat and dress and I'm trying to tell this lady on the phone she doesn't know what she's talking about and we're fighting this fire. And she's Sorry if you're that lady. Where the fire is. And then all of a sudden the wind blows and the fire comes up, roaring up the goalie. And all of the men scream in one accord, all of us. And we turn around and everyone starts In running. one accord? Like it's just like, became what? You know, it's like, no one was like, everyone scream on the count of three. It was like... All at one time, everyone just knew to scream. It was really loud. And we all turn around and just start running for our lives. And the lady all of a sudden realizes that they're probably not in the same place where I am. And so she starts yelling in the phone, what is your location? What is your location? And now the men have turned around and gone back and they have these little tiny hoses. And within about two minutes, this fire truck comes barreling around the corner from the other side of the goalie. And those guys come running out and they're the last laborers, right? They are, they're out there and they come with their hoses and they are just running for all their worth and they turn on this spray that is like, you know, you a know, fire a fire spray. Yeah. And all the guys with their little hoses are like, well, <laughs> so we're not really going to be helpful now. And we all kind of walked back into the driveway and the fire, the last laborers took over and won, won the fire, they saved the house, and they saved the garage, and you know, I look at that day, and I'll tell you, me and Greg and our kids were the first laborers there um, from the very beginning to the very end, but who were we the most grateful for at the end of the day is those fire trucks that came in and did that last little bit, and even though they were there the shortest, we couldn't have done it without them, and also, they couldn't have done it without us had we not turned on all that water and gotten all that help. And I think when the parable becomes about saving, mm. about saving someone's home, about saving someone's soul, we're all in it together. Yeah. Everyone is needed in that moment. And I think that's what the Lord was trying to teach is when he prays for those laborers in his vineyard, he's praying for all of us to come from wherever we are. And whenever we can heed the call, come and join the work of saving and let's see what we can do together because that's going to be far more powerful than what any of us can do on our own. Right. And nobody sat in that, you know, lawn after the fire was out and started grumbling about, you know, who won it or who mm -hmm. got, who's going to who get the hardest. more. Yeah. It's like, we're so happy we that saved this the house. house was saved. Oh, we know? were so happy. And every time I walk through my church building, the Cunninghams are in the library and they call me Fireman Freeman. That is my name <laughs> in the church. And seriously, it just brings me such a little smile that for one second I actually was a fireman. Yeah. Yeah. And what's neat about that whole group is anybody could look at each other, right? There on the last day, like we've all helped out each other. We've all been mm -hmm. good to each other. 
But God's been the most good to all of us. And, and I just feel like when you go into, like, when you look at your life and say, like, I was rescued. You know, they're like, thank you so much for rescuing our house and, and, and all of our things. Like, well, someone rescued me. Yep. Like, all of us mm-hmm. are in the same category as we've been rescued um, and, and we've been given way more mm. than we it's ever so deserved. And, and so, so now we can pass that on you know, to anybody. And it's so interesting because that's exactly where Jesus goes at the end, right? He's going to bring us to, we're still in Matthew 20, and he's going to say in verse um, 26, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many, and I just love that word minister. Um, if we look up that word, one of the translations for that word minister is to tend to. And I love the thought of that because you think about how he ministers to each of us and it's through tender mercies, right? He's tending to us yeah. um, through his mercy. And it's it's what we learn from the blind man. And it's the lesson that we were waiting for with the boy who came. And it's a lesson we learn about these laborers. That his is a message of ministering. That yeah. is what it is. And for each of us, it's to be able to look and think, where where could I minister right. um, better for him today? Where could I put that work in? Um, what, what lack I yet in that area of my life? And, and what needs to change so that becomes my focus? Yeah, because that's he, he set out the pattern in 28. I gave my life as a ransom for many. And and the invitation to be a laborer in the vineyard is to do the very same thing, mm-hmm. is to say, um, will he, his call to us is, quit trying to earn eternal life. What I'm asking you to do is, will you lay down your life also for as a ransom for many hmm. so that all and anyone can be saved? That's so good. You know? yeah. and, and when you put people's faces and names to it, then you're just it's like, easier. it's so much so easier. Much easier. It's like, I will be a first hour worker, mm-hmm. you know? And then that's when an 11th hour worker would come in and say like, I wish I'd been here longer because mm-hmm. this is the most thrilling work in yeah. the universe. Yeah. So, so good. Okay. That's okay, it that's for this good. week. We'll see you next week. Adios. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at don't miss this. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.